Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. We take our time seriously here on the podcast and we're trying to add value to your life in a pretty short amount of time. We try to keep it under 30 minutes so that you can, in the midst of your busy life, take something very practical and actionable away from the podcast. Today's podcast is one of those that when I read up on the notes and I read up on our guest, Dan Rockwell, I didn't know anything about him. And yet I was instantly impressed by some of the things he's been involved with, some of the language that he uses, and it aligns really closely with who we are at Stay Forth. And we went down a road that I don't think would be more practical today. We talked about four selves, self-awareness, self-reflection, self-deception and self-sabotage. Again, we didn't plan to go here, but we started to kind of go down the rabbit hole and you can kind of hear this conversation going that direction where we weren't planning it. These weren't kind of queued up questions ahead of time. And I really honestly enjoyed myself. I was curious about him and about a lot of things. I'm going to go back and listen to this later and take some notes in those four areas. I've never heard it put this way. Dan has a unique perspective on life and on leadership. He's led with in academia. He's an author. Uh, his book that has just come out is called The Vagrant. It's an easy read, but again, it's very simple and practical. He's a consultant. He's a coach. He's shaping leaders across the country. And I would love to spend more time with this guy. So here's my conversation with Dan Rockwell. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Alan, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And we've got so much overlap. Uh, some of my favorite topics, uh, maybe not favorite, but crucial topics for leaders right now. It's a lot about self and how self impacts the other. We'll get there. We'll have tons of great stuff to talk about. Um, but give me a little picture of how you got to this spot right now where you're influencing so many leaders and organizations. Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Uh, the answer is dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction is a great gift if we can see it, acknowledge it, embrace it, don't beat ourselves down with it, but just acknowledge that we need to make changes. Uh, 15 years ago, I took a look at my life and I said, uh, I think you have more in you. I think maybe, uh, you know, you're, you're playing it safe. Um, and I know you coach leaders and I love to kind of poke at that with them as well, right? You say to them, hmm, are you playing it safe? Is it time to step out? So dissatisfaction is, is really the reason Leadership Freak started. Uh, and it's the reason now uh, the book is out. Um, um, it's it, it was at the heart of it. So I'd like to say something more positive, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it led you to more, more positive things. I, I'm curious for you, Dan, what percentage of leaders just would you guess out there um, live with a deep sense of dissatisfaction? Uh, that's a that's a great question. I know many leaders are who are extremely uh, happy with doing what they're doing and very happy in leadership. And I know you coach some of them and I coach some of them as well. Um, I think it may be seasonal and cyclical. I, I the leaders I work with, I often ask them, "What? Uh, what? How old are you?" And they'll tell me, you know, and there are, I think, certain times in life where dissatisfaction spirals up. So a simple answer would be at a given at certain times in our lives, every every leader 
is living with dissatisfaction uh, or in between, you know, the problem with the mountain and getting to the next mountain is you got to, you got to climb down, you know, to get up to the next one. And uh, there can be some dissatisfaction along the way. Wow. Okay. I got to dive into that. What are a couple of those seasons of life that you um, tend to see are hotspots for dissatisfaction? Absolutely. Um, and I, I, you might go on the decade markers loosely. So someone goes off to college, they're around 18, 20, right? Here you are. And you tend, you, you tend to evaluate your life. Is this the way I really want to live? Sometimes you fall off the deep end, like people, like people do on a midlife crisis. I, I worked at a college and you could see those first year students. Some of them just, they just exploded. Uh, and then you find yourself in a new way. And then you get married. Somewhere along the way, you get married. And somewhere along the way, you you know, or before that, hopefully you get a, you get a job. Those moments are opportunities for us to reflect and evaluate. And, and if we can, I think this, if we can tap into the things that we uh, notice in, our, in ourselves, I'll give you one for me. Uh, anger, anger. I lived with anger for a long time. And my problem with it is, I think it's a gift. Anger is, you know, anger shows you what's important. Yeah. Pay anger shows to you it. what you need. What's that? Yeah. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. And I was looking outward and saying, these things are causing my anger. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, I spent years spinning and not until I started noticing the anger and becoming dissatisfied, that's not the life I want. Then I had to come to grips with something, and that took me quite a while, just that one. Wow. So there, back to your original question. I, I think along the journey, you have about at the decade markers, you can have some times of dissatisfaction. I work with leaders who sometimes are 10 years, five years out from retirement, the whole idea of retirement terrifies them. And so that also, you know, can, it can be a, a source of, of growth an opportunity for growth. Mm. So this is perfect to kind of dovetail into self-awareness. Um, this is something that obviously is crucial for leaders um, and is really becoming kind of a buzzword, a buzz phrase uh, for a lot of organizations out there. So I wanted to start with a definition. What's your definition of self-awareness? I think noticing yourself with honesty would be a, a way to approach it. Um, I, I don't want it to be too mystical, too like uh, meditative, too too spiritual sounding. But um, I'll speak for myself again. Uh, I spent a lot of my life not even noticing myself because I was so consumed with what I was doing. And mm -hmm. I wanted to get this done and I want to achieve and I wanted to make a mark and I wanted to succeed and I want to take care of my family. And, and so you get up in the morning and you don't even notice. And by the way, Alan, I'll give you a tip on this. For somebody, uh, many leaders are doers. I mean, they want to get stuff done. And if you can schedule your day with a few scattered moments where you can take time to think about what you just did and think about what you're going to do next, that changes your whole day. Because if you don't, 
it's like you end the day and what happened you just you just went from one thing to the next thing you didn't notice yourself you didn't notice your environment and and uh, for example for me before meetings before this call i take 3 minutes i quiet my heart i close my eyes i take some breaths i think about who I'm going to talk to next. And I had listened to your podcast. I had an idea about what was important to you. I think about how I want to show up. I think about what I'm, I, I think about what I respect about the people I'm going to talk to just for three minutes. And then off we go. That's a time for me to become aware of who I am, how I want to show up, how I want to deliver value. Mm, I love that. An ability to notice yourself honestly. So the the converse, what if we don't? What if we don't notice ourselves? Uh, what if we don't do it honestly? What are the common ways that that hurts leaders and those around us? Yeah, that, that's uh, persistent self-defeating behaviors. Uh, the problem with lack of self-awareness is we don't know how other people are perceiving us. And so then uh, I uh, my favorite thing uh, to talk about here is, uh, you know, I receive feedback that uh, I can be pushy. Uh, I'm I'm a soft teddy bear. I'm not pushy. So I would push that away, push that away. That was uncomfortable. Uh, my daughter said, I think you like to scare people. I, I don't like to scare people. Right. A woman on my team, I was seeking feedback, very intentionally seeking feedback. In, in other words, I was asking specific questions, not just needy. How am I doing? You know, do you like me? Do you like me? I was asking specific questions. She said, you can be pushy. I couldn't quite understand it. I said, could you help me? And she said, I can't really think of exactly when, but I, I just, you know, that's my feedback. And so two weeks later, I'm having a conversation with a person. She is in my peripheral vision. And she's going with her eyes and her eyebrows are up and she's nodding her head. And she's like, and I knew instantly there it what is. pushy looked like. Mm -hmm. I had never seen it, you know, because I think it's, you know, way more aggressive than I was acting. That's good. And again, a lot of selves here, self-awareness, um, self-reflection and it seems like there's there's some of that in in others inviting people into that feedback loop as well but talk about self-reflection and how that connects back to self-awareness yes so first of all i love what you said because you know seeking feedback involving others is a is an important part of the process because self-reflection done in isolation leads to self-deception. Daniel Kahneman wrote this great book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and it's filled with all the ways we deceive ourselves. You know, you have this uh, uh, cognitive biases, right? So, for example, when you own something, it's you automatically ascribe more worth to it than other people ascribe to it, right? When you make a decision, you find reasons why that decision is right. I mean, that's just normal. So I read Kenneman's book, it blew me away, because I realized I can be deceiving myself, not intentionally, it's just natural. It's not evil, you know, nobody's being evil. And, and so um, that's where self reflection, not just by ourselves, which is wonderful to do, but also seeking feedback or declaring an intention 
and then involving people in the process. I want to lead energizing meetings, right? So you go to two of your colleagues, you say, I want to lead energizing meetings. <laughs> Everybody, that's a great aspiration. Uh -huh. uh, and and uh, so you say to them, would you just notice in the meeting, what do I do that you think energizes the team? What do you do? What am I doing when you feel the energy in the room going down? And then just get together with them afterwards and have a conversation and seek some feedback and take that away for yourself and then figure out what is it, what does it mean for you to authentically energize a meeting, you know, after having received some other uh, input as well. Self-awareness, self-reflection, uh, and then self-deception. Uh, so interesting, because if we're we're only in this echo chamber of us, you can do as much self-reflection as you want, and you're still convinced of that same bias um, in us. So other than feedback, give us a couple ways to kind of get out of that spiral we have naturally toward self-deception. Yes. So uh, I, I, we already mentioned, first of all, just commit to uh, greater transparency and vulnerability with key people, that, the people that know you, um, and, and let them see who you are, let them see what you're about. And there are many ways to do that, not just like declaring an intention to, to run great meetings. Just stand up in front of your team and say, I just read this great book, and one of the principles in the book is XYZ, and uh, I'm going to work to implement that. And if you see me, you know, you see me doing something that looks like I'm implementing it, could you just pat me on the head and tell me I'm doing a good job? <laughs> or if you see me do something that, uh, you know, is self-defeating, it doesn't really achieve my own, you know, my my own goal, then, uh, then um, let me know. Another way to engage in self-reflection is to uh, imagine uh, people you admire and what you how you would like to be like them. I'm not afraid of this in my own life, and I don't think it's inauthentic. When I see my dad in me, I love it. So I, 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 there are people that are in my life, and I sometimes will reflect on them and think, how do I want to... How do I want to emulate that behavior? What's a way for me to do that? And one of the most interesting ways to do this is to think about some of the people who irritate you. Uh, Young felt like you, you know, you kind of see a little bit of yourself in the people who irritate you. <laughs> and yep. that is also a way to start bursting that bubble of uh of uh, lack of self-awareness or of self-deception. That's good. I love the practical piece of it. All right, here's the fourth self uh, we're going to talk through today, self-sabotage. Um, what is it, first of all? And then secondly, how do we avoid it? I think it's you're, a person is engaged in self-sabotage when they are doing something that they they believe is serving them well, but it's actually holding them back. Hmm. Now, uh, the the vagrant, the book that is coming out, uh, Bob is a great character. He 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 does uh, uh, you know a lot of great things. Highly talented, but he is engaged in self uh, def 
feeding behaviors. He doesn't know it. You didn't get up this morning thinking, you know, I think I want to shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> I think I want to just, you know, make my own life miserable today. But if I show, here's an example. If I show up for an exchange with someone with the attitude of, I'm going to demonstrate that I'm right, I am inviting a kind of relationship. If I show up and, uh, you know, it takes a long time to learn not to interrupt people. And this, you know, I, I'll tell people on listening, listen, you, you can forget all about that, like power listening and active listening stuff. Here's where you want to start. Just stop interrupting people. That's, you know, because it's it's a it's a skill and it takes a lot of work. So begin by not interrupting. And and so if you if you start to interrupt people, they start to feel like you're not listening to them. They start to interrupt you. You and see, here's the thing. When you don't notice, you're not self-aware enough to see, oh, I, I'm I'm interrupting. Then you can't really uh, deal with that. And then you're starting to say, and this is what we do, isn't it? That person's interrupting me so much. You know, they're interrupting. So you know, and we see in mm -hmm. others. If you could wave a magic wand over the leaders that are shaping our organizations today, and only one thing could be true about them, what do you hope it would be? That they would show up with openness and curiosity. We start the journey... Uh, we have our ideas about how things should be. We try hard. Um, we try to convince people. And sometimes we should, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think the thing that would alleviate a lot of stress in leaders' life, right? Uh, the thing that would create stronger relationships within an organization would be to show up with openness and curiosity. Why is that so important to you? Because it is an expression of, it's a practical expression of something that has been elusive for me uh, all of my life. I think uh, hum it's an it is an expression of humility. And, uh, well, uh, so I'll never forget the day I walked out on the deck. My It was a beautiful summer day. I walked out on the deck and I made the stunning announcement to my uh, bride of 40-some years. I'm going to write a book about humility. And she burst into laughter, right? And I... I I tell you that because we we have a wonderful relationship, but she knows me as uh, better than anybody else. So I like to talk about openness and curiosity because it is an expression of what I where I think everything good in leadership comes from. And I think everything good in leadership begins with humility. And maybe not all of them, but most of the bad stuff in leadership begins with arrogance. That's good. Uh, so much to think about there. And even to ask ourselves, connect that to self-awareness. Um, how am I giving off the intention, uh, accidental, the posture, uh, the words, uh, the expressions that I am better than you, 
that I'm not listening to you, that I don't care about you. So, I mean, just feels like just a great circle um, that we've been on here. How do I turn that the opposite way where I'm curious about you? I'm open. I'm open to having my mind changed. Um, and it feels like that allows us to be present when we are those things as opposed to kind of absent, right? I think so, Alan. You reminded me of uh, another Alan, uh, Alan Alda. He has this quote, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but uh, it's, it's about listening. Real listening doesn't happen until you're, you're ready to have your mind changed. And uh, that's a, I butchered it, but uh, it still has to do with that. Uh, that openness and that uh, that sense of curiosity uh, that happens, which again I think springs from uh, the practice of humility. I, I have to use Alan. I have to use the word practice. I don't. I can't possibly think of it as anything that could be attained, but I I can think of it as something that I can put into actions into behaviors and for me that's where asking questions being open instead when somebody says uh you know i'm struggling with uh running great meetings you know my there's a side of me that says well let me tell you how to run great meetings there's a humble side of me that knows what i need to do is say well, talk to me a little more about exactly what it is. And what do you intend in your meetings? What are you trying to accomplish? And what makes you say that you're you're thinking that? And what might you try that would do that a little to make that differently? And you know, just to explore and be open. And there's a place to give advice. There's a place to teach. We all need teachers in our lives. But I think I kind of I run there a little too quickly. And so when you when you learn some new thing, you can become self-aware with that thing. So, for example, when someone teaches you, don't interrupt because interrupting, you know, makes for a, a difficult conversation. You can say, I'm going to become self-aware over in a narrow way, right? I'm going to notice myself with honesty. And uh, that's a wake-up call right there. Absolutely. Yeah. You've worked with leaders now for how many years? Ten. Actually, yeah. uh, I worked at the local Penn State affiliate, and I did work with leaders there as well. But, I mean, on my own, I've been coaching leaders for 10 years. Okay. Uh, and in, in those 10 years of coaching, how has it made you a better leader being a coach? Yes. Well, first of all, you start to see that there are some really talented people out there. You aren't in quite as smart as you think, <laughs> right? And maybe you ought to be listening a little more because I know you do this. I'm just, I'm just blown away by some of these people that I work with. Um, so I've learned about uh, that the people. There are some. There are so many great people in the world. I think the thing, as far as a coach, that I have learned is to monitor energy, to notice the energy of the person I'm talking to. Uh, many of the transformative moments in people's lives happen when somebody says, you just lit up, what happened? And they start to reflect on themselves because see, they don't even see it. 
That's they right. don't realize it's just, you know, on, it's just natural. It's just, and they, so they don't have any self-awareness about it. I, uh, I, I got a call from a guy out in Las Vegas. Uh, he said, I'm at the end of my rope. I ended up in Vegas. We spent the day together. It was kind of a depressing day. And we had dinner that evening, uh, he and his wife. And during that conversation for the first time, I saw him light up and I had, I'd learned this. And so uh, he told me what it was, or he was talking. And then I said, Hey, you, you just lit up, man. What happened? He said, uh, I love being a dad. And he was talking about his kids. He had, he ra they raised four children and then adopted four small children. Sounds like punishment to me. He <laughs> loves it. I said to him, let me ask you this question. If you showed up tomorrow at work, you took your leader hat off. You put your dad hat on. Don't tell anybody. You can't go around saying daddy's home, right? But it's the spirit. You showed up that way. What would you do differently? Without hesitation, he said, I would hold people more accountable. I was shocked. Well, wow. I said, what do you mean? He said, at home, if I say the lawn's going to be mowed before dinner, the lawn gets mowed before dinner. Why was this guy at the end of his rope? He wasn't holding people accountable. He was doing other people's work for them. He had to put his dad hat on. And, you know, so if you can help people become self-aware uh, by noticing their energy, I think this is one of the uh, one of the wonderful uh, gifts you can give to the people you hang around. Just say, "Whoa, what happened? You just lit up." Or I notice you're kind of, you know, your shoulders started drooping. Don't tell them they look sad, right? Because <laughs> that's a judgment, right? And then they're gonna say, "Oh, I'm not sad." Just say, "I notice, you know, your shoulders are drooping. Uh, what's going on?" Now they can respond to that, you know instead of making some sort of assessment or judgment of them. That's great, Dan. I really like that. I'm going to use that. And I've done something at that before, um, but I, I haven't really had the language for it. So that's huge. When you notice a change, sometimes even through the screen, um, it's it's palpable. Uh, so thank you so much for coming here, for sharing some of your best, for writing your book, uh, The Vagrant. And uh, I have not read it, but it is on my list. And I'm really excited to dive in to that. Uh, some incredible endorsements there. And I know there's so much work um, that is packed into a book. So thanks for the value add, not just to our listeners, but to leaders everywhere across the country. And I just want to leave you with this one question. Uh, it can seem trite, it can be big, it can be personal, it can have nothing to do with work. What is one thing right now that's bringing you joy, Dan? Uh, I've learned, I think, over time to um, listen to people. And uh, I just had, I'll, I'll just tell you, I just had, I started uh, two or three, I'm an introvert. I like my own company. I don't need you in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not uh, really effective, right? <laughs> but I still like, I, I'm my own best company. And uh, I started a few years ago reaching out to people. And just a, a couple of years ago, I reached out to John Spence, who's written a book. He wrote a book and years ago it was sent to me and I contacted him and he's a wonderful guy. And I reached out to him. I said, hey, John. 
Uh, I just wanted to catch up with you if you got a little bit of time, no agenda. And we got on a call, and uh, since then, we meet every three weeks uh, for just because we do. Hmm. And I think the joy of learning to let people into my life is a very sustaining thing. Wow. Love it. Great end to that, especially talking about others' feedback, uh, the power of self-awareness when others are involved as well. Dan, thanks so much for your work. I feel a kindred spirit, and uh, you are up to some incredible things. Thanks for what you do. Yes. Thank you, Alan. By the way, I felt the same way when I listened to your podcast, you know, uh, and was thinking about our conversation. Love what you're doing. Love the spirit of what you're doing. So thank you for having me. You are welcome. Keep up the great work.